Welcome to that 80 show. Oh, how they did rejoice when they saw a new episode and they went, you know, last week, guys, there is such a thing as too much wham. And at least this week, I'm going to listen and it'll be a wham free zone. No, Dory, there is no such thing right now. Nope. Nope. As you said a few days ago, we are going to milk this thing till it's dry. Oh, yes. We are going to grab onto those teats, those wham teats. We're going to fill up 15 liter jugs. We are potentially the most annoying people in the world right now. Because we will talk to anyone who will listen about the wham docky. It's anyone, a, it, anyone. it's one of those even people who don't want to talk about it. No, even if they didn't yeah. bring it up, even if they didn't bring it up, they're like, oh, <laughs> um, you know, would you like fries with that? Yeah, I do think uh, the 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 trajectory <laughs> of Wham, um, especially shown in the documentary. <laughs> but I mean, what a time to be alive because th- normally there is not a lot of Wham conversation. There is so much Wham conversation right now, and let's be on it. And we got a friend of the show, Neil Johnson has sent us content that we just mm-hmm. hurriedly inserted in the show because we've got to be covering that. And of course, we're talking about a Wham! documentary and the reviews are in, Dory, right? I yep. went around the internet. I got some of the views, the reviews, okay? so Because we saw that review before it came out, which was not very positive, which made me a bit nervous about it. Mm, mm. But I don't know why I even bothered reading that because... Ugh. It was just, it was a ridiculously unfair review. So that review is from The, the Guardian. The show is worth watching. Exactly. That review is yes. from The Guardian. It's going to pop up. Another article from The Guardian is going to pop up later. Um, I don't think the Wham, mm. I don't think The Guardian wrote this much about Wham in the 80s. <laughs> There's like a Wham article <laughs> a day on The Guardian. Is it because there are like staff at The Guardian who are closet Wham fans and they're like, this is my chance. That's it. This is it. That's it. It's like, yeah. and, and, and this is the yeah. thing. You and I have never been afraid of our wham leanings. We, we in it. We write, we are wham, <laughs> right. There are other people it's not safe. It's not safe to like wham for other people, right? And they've got to keep quiet, <laughs> you know? Like, I know all the words to wham rap, but I can't. I know all the words to young guns. I can't rap to it. Like, Don't worry. Don't worry. We can do it here. But if I like, if I meet a new person and they're like, "Hey, like, so what kind of music are you into?" and I'll say, you know, I'll say '80s, mostly mm. like alternative and rock stuff, but I love Wham the most. And the, they'll they'll always be like, "Oh no, I don't really like Wham." I'm like, "You don't like Wake Me Up Before You Go Go?" Like, okay, I do like that song. I said, "You don't think Careless Whisper is one of the greatest songs ever?" Oh shit, yeah, I do think that song is actually quite good. <laughs> you you don't think Wham rap like perfectly captures what it was like being yeah. a youth in the '80s in the UK? Yeah, when I was a youth in the eighties in the UK, that's exactly what I felt like. And then, then they, then they know it's fine. It's perfect. <laughs> so, I have a friend in Australia who messaged me and went, "Have you watched it yet?" And I'm like, "What a ridiculous question!" Because she messaged me like a couple of days ago, and it's like uh, it's been out for a few days already. Of course, I've watched it. And we were kind of having that, you know, very quick um, WhatsApp exchange during work to work hours. Mm-hmm. Well, work hours for me in Australia, it was probably the middle of the night. Who knows? Anyway. And, and she was like, what did you think? And all I sent back was, you know, the crying emoji, you know, the, the, the proper crying, not the laughing crying, mm-hmm. the crying emoji. And she came back and went, Oh my God, was it that bad? And I was like, Oh, of course not. I was just trying to tell you that I cried a lot in it. <laughs> Anyway, and then she watched it and came back to me and went, oh, my God, I love that so much. And she's not, like, the biggest Wham fan. She she likes them. Yep. You know, she she could tolerate them. And she just loved it. So people people who are open to giving it a chance, even if you're not a Wham fan, mm-hmm. are being pleasantly surprised. And that's all we wanted. And the people spread the gospel, spread, the good word. Spread the good word of Wham, including an exclamation mark. And I think what a lot of people were looking for was the, the but, the the butt moment. You know, every mm. documentary, like behind the music, they always got that because it's star rising, 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 rising. But there was a deep, dark secret. George's sexuality would rip the band apart, except it didn't. And they just went bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> but George's solo ambitions threatened to tear the band to shreds, except it didn't. <laughs> you know, so people are like, there, there is no butt moment. And I think. That's what a lot of biopics do or a lot of things like this. They they want to be trashy. Where because Andrew Rigi, yeah. like we spoke last week, is so careful 
of the George image that he's created and he's been left in charge of. There's none of that. It's just fun, right? With no but yeah, moment. Absolutely. This is well, what I want. I mean, unless you count the but in his jeans during the faith video. Well, there is that but. You know, there, there, there is that. There's one. that moment. There, there is. <laughs> I found a video. I didn't even know about this, and um, it was an Andrew Ridgely article. I'm going to talk about later. Is that on mm-hmm. SNL at the time they would regularly make fun of Wham. Okay. And one of the things was George Michael, no matter what happened, would always just stand up and make people look at his butt. You just Dana Carvey played George Michael. You won't believe who played it, Andrew oh Ridgely. Dana Carvey was George Michael, and he he would just keep getting I up won't and shake. No keep shaking his yeah. butt. So that's how they saw him, and actually offended him because he was like, "They don't take me as a serious actor. They just, you know, uh, egotistical guy, good-looking, wants to shake my butt." So that's what's happening at SNL. But we get this um, this uh, email. Uh, Neil Johnson, friend of the show, uh, from a newsletter that he mm. subscribes to. It is from a guy, I hope I say the name right. He's massive because I have seen the name before, but I've never had to say it. Bob Bob Leftsets. Bob Leftsets, right? I think that's how you say it. Let's uh, go with that. Okay. Let's go with it. He's a podcaster. He's on yeah. Sirius XM. He's a music writer. He's, he's, he's huge, right? He's big. I've never had to say his name. Okay. So he's, <laughs> <laughs> this is what Neil sent us, and I'm going to, Take out some key comments of it. This is the, the the article or the blog post that goes out in his newsletter this week. So hmm. opening line, watch the Wham documentary. It's fantastic. I like to think hmm. that was intentional. Okay. <laughs> of course. Well, I mean, hopefully, right? Yeah. So he I says- mean, Maybe people wouldn't understand that, but we understand that. No, we get it. We get it. So his words, start off cheesy. I mean the titles, like the Motley Crue movie, a wink, a fabrication, a step away from the real nitty-gritty, but momentarily thereafter, this is a document of an era, the MTV era. Okay, so he's now going, he loved how it just captured that time and place. Times were different. The 60s were about revolution. The 70s licking our wounds and cynicism. And the 80s were about hedonism. Damn right. <laughs> Refer back, mm-hmm. last week's episode, Tony Pike. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> further down, and this is something we said earlier, I'm not sure you can find an American or Britain conscious or South African conscious in the 80s who does not know who does not know Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Mm-hmm. Everybody aware back then could sing the chorus and still can. That's how catchy the number was and still is. That's true, right? Everybody yep. recognizes the song, okay? And probably still knows yeah. a few words. Later on, and to see Wham's, uh, this is when he's talking about, so he sets up talking about Band-Aid. And he says, and to see Wham's contemporaries, I've got to give it to him. Every time he writes Wham, exclamation mark. He's a professional. You know, this, I mean, is, you know, this is a top-class yeah. pro. You know, listen, yeah. those of you who don't know, oh, God help. Dory, so good at grammar. I'm actually jealous of her. Dory beats chat GPT <laughs> at grammar, okay? I've put something in chat GPT, got the grammar, Dory fixed it. Still, wasn't good enough for her. Okay? <laughs> she changed it. So Dory, but it's good. You need that. You need people like that in your life. But our biggest grammar is you've got to have the exclamation mark after wham. Because not wham, Ron Reynolds said, wham. Okay. Every time he writes yeah. it, he writes it. So it says, and to see wham's contemporaries, especially recording the Band-Aid single, single, everybody is so young, which we commented on as well. Sting is so dorky. Yes. He is dorky. <laughs> he is. He curtains. He looks like a Backstreet Boy before Backstreet Boy. Uh, it, it was his pre-tantric days. Mm, mm, he wasn't doing 15-hour sessions then. So he was like, he was not as strong, mm. quite scrawny. Bono is mm. wearing that ridiculous hat. Phil Collins can still play the drums. It's a window into what once was and now can, no longer can we exists. Just pause, can we just pause on Phil Collins for a second? Because I, I really just, I feel like we ignore Phil Collins and I don't think he's going to be with us for very long. And I just want to say those drums... Nobody in the world could play drums like that. No one compares, ever. Um, I just want to give props to Phil Collins and say, we don't play him enough. Okay. And you I don't argue with me now. No, no, no. I will not <laughs> argue with you. I will not argue with you. And, and of course, Phil okay. Collins has um, retired, I think, from public life. Um, every now and again, you'll see, yeah. you know, paparazzi shots of him out and about. My Google alert tells me. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, yes. he's in his eighties, right? Isn't he? 
I think he's already in his 80s. I'm not sure, but I know that he is is not his health is not great. Mm. So you know, no, listen. Just, let's just let's just enjoy. Let's just uh, give him the props while he's still here, so that it's not like a eulogy. As um, whenever it happens, I just want to say now. As much as I love Dave Grohl, yeah. and Dave Grohl is for me one of the best drummers, because you can't go who's the best. You're one of the best. I'm not one of these. There's a greatest no, of all no. time. There's a range of people who are as good as each other for different reasons. But even with that, I will say there is nothing. There is no drum if. An alien arrives and mm. goes, what is a drum? I will play him mm. Phil Collins' drum intro in in the air tonight. They're going back to their planet going, guys, drums. <laughs> by, by this guy. <laughs> and then they play it and they say, well, it sounds like shit. So, well, you've got eight arms. I was like, what sounds like shit? It's not Phil Collins. Oh. Okay, so yes, we gave Phil Collins his Okay, moment. sorry, back to Wham, back to Wham. I just wanted to, you know, make you, that point. You got to. Final piece yeah. from Bob. I got to say it right. Bob left Just Bob. Let, Bob. First, from Bob. First name from basis, Bob. just Bob. Final piece from Bob. Bob, Bobby yes. boy. B-Bob. You've got to see this movie. Even if you hate George Michael and Wham, it's a window into what once was. It puts the act in the 80s in context if this was still the 80s. That's it. You didn't even know what have to know what there. There was a time where we didn't actually know more. That's what we knew, and we didn't have to know more, and we were fine mm. with it. You know, we didn't need data and spreadsheets, and we're just simple. We just needed hedonism yeah. and little tiny white shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so my friend in Australia said to me she loved the docu because she didn't know like any of it. But that's because she hasn't read Andrew's book. Now, for those of us, those of us professional Wham fans who have read Andrew's book, we didn't learn anything we didn't know from the docu. Mm. Like I said last week, it was just amazing to see it visually. Yeah. But it, it it does give that that cultural context as well. It's not just. I mean, if you, if you watch it properly, it's not just about the band. It is about the time and the place and the the era and the iconography of the 80s. It is, mm. There is a bigger picture there, absolutely. Yes. So listen, we need votes, guys. We need your votes because you put us here, actually. So, you know, when you do something like this, any <laughs> podcast that you do, yeah, there's a degree that you do it for yourself. That's what you're interested in. But then you start seeing you got a community. You start seeing people like what you do. So you push yourself to be better. You go, you know, it's not just about us talking shit. Now we're talking shit and other mm. people are responding and they're liking and they're following us and they listen to our podcast, which is bizarre. Yeah. You know, we often look at people in the weirdest place. This week, we were in the top six podcasts in Ireland in the music category. <laughs> What do you, does that even work? I mean, right? it might have been, I have, I have a few friends in Ireland. Maybe that was, no, no, no. I need, no, no, it's not no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and, and we have made connections. I know there's a few people and on we've Twitter. Got Cindy, we've got Cindy, Cindy. Our, our fan friend so in Ireland. It's not, it's not no. that impossible, but it's odd, right? So mm -hmm. we, we got to get better. Yes. We got to get better every week. We got to do a show every week. Sometimes we're like, oh, do we? Do we really want to talk about the 80s? Yes, that's a stupid question. But we've got to do a show every week. Through that work, we've been nominated in the African Podcast and Voiceover Awards as one of the best music podcasts in Africa. In Africa. Huh. Right? Bob in Geldof. The whole continent. The whole continent. The whole of Africa. Bob Geldof told Bob you it was Geldof a place. Bob would be so proud. Oh, so, so proud. proud. So proud. So... Mm -hmm. We want to make sure there's snow in Africa this Christmas. <laughs> so snow the votes down. <laughs> Blizzard of votes. <laughs> so wow, voting is easy. It is free. We're going to put the link, that 80 Show SA Facebook page. Or if you don't remember, just search APVA Awards. Um, click on vote now and mm. scroll down to the music category. Click the drop down and we are there. Um, that 80 show, give look us a for, vote. Look for the most 80s image you can see, and that's us. On the voting site, there's no images. It's just boring. Oh, really? Oh, oh yes, no yes, you're right. Yeah. I have looked at it. Yeah. Okay, so just look for the, the, the that 80 show. Then. Yeah. No, I, I know the site well because I haven't spent loads of time on there voting for myself. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, of out of, not. Yeah, just out of interest. But that's it. APVA Awards. We'll put the link that 80 show essay Facebook. Just, uh, just a little vote. One vote. Um, because it's your fault that we're actually here. Because if it weren't for you, we wouldn't have got better and we wouldn't be in one of the best music podcasts in the whole of Africa. <laughs> it's not my words. 
that's not my words. That's that's no. science. That's not my words. So give we are us being told this. We are not saying it. We are being told. We're being told. There's judges and everything. Mm. It's it's a real thing. Mm. There's other people involved. Have you I listened to their shows? I listen to their shows. They're good. Oh yes, I haven't checked out our competition. They're they're good. I'm assuming they're good. <laughs> they're good. Like we're definitely the best eighty show in there. That's we, so technically we're the best eighty show on the continent. I mean, whether we win or not, we are the best eighty show on the continent. There's no other eighty show in there, right? No other eighty show on the continent. <laughs> but no. <laughs> So technically, so that's enough about us. And now let's talk more about us and the movies that we like to watch. <laughs> Dory, you, you know, when you have a movie, you, you have mm. a movie, right? You tease it for weeks. <laughs> Do I have a movie? Oh boy. Uh, Do I? Sit back. Do and I? Let me put on my compression Do socks. Because we're going. This again, it has happened before. Again, this is definitely a movie that is more you than me. Mm. This is a Paolo movie. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, of course, it is ridiculous and silly. The reason I, <laughs> the movie snob in the, in the show, happened to watch this movie is because my husband said to me, I've got a movie for you that you can watch to talk about on your show. Cause he does that. He, he keeps his eyes out. And he said, this movie traumatized his childhood and he had to like get it to watch it again, to see if it was as hectic and traumatic as he remembers from his childhood. Mm -hmm. And then he described the scene specifically. And then he told me the scene before I watched the movie. And I was like, Holy Jesus, holy shit, whatever you want to say. And then that scene was as hectic as he described in the movie. But this is the one of the lightest, silliest movies ever. So it almost doesn't make sense, but it's about to make sense. So before I tell you anything about what the movie is, I'm going to tell you about the scene. Because maybe, just maybe, Paula, if you've seen this movie and I tell you this scene, you will know exactly which movie I'm talking about. Right. There is. Okay, it's. I'm going to tell you the genre. It is... B-grade sci-fi, really B-grade, to the point where if you shoot a hole in the spaceship, you literally see the polystyrene come out the wall. Right. Okay? <laughs> it's that B-grade. The scene is, um, I'll, get, I'll get to the story, but let's just say the scene is these, these men have been captured by these evil people, mm -hmm. and what these evil people do to these men is they castrate them wow so what they do is they put them on a conveyor belt is that the point is that the point is that the scene that reminded you of me because i'm not into it <laughs> no, this is the scene that traumatized my <laughs> husband that, that made him what make me watch this movie and these guys are going down conveyor belt and and they're going feet first into this thing and this it's like this giant jaw steel jaw that's gonna bite off their junk Okay. You have to actually watch this movie. There's there's no way to adequately describe it. It is a movie from 1984 called The Ice Pirates. I don't know if you've ever seen it or ever heard of it. I'm going to send you quickly the link to the trailer, which may or may not have that scene in it. I'm actually not sure. But let's give it a little bit of a watch, and then you can tell me what you think. Well, all right. Let's um, let's see what you have. The Ice Pirates. At last, the space comedy you didn't know you were waiting to see. The Ice Pirates. In the far distant future, in a galaxy where those in the know don't go, real estate is cheap, and they've got great sushi. But there's no water. You got any uh, water? It is a time when desperate men will swing from the chandeliers just to get a drink. Just take a look at that. Good men like Jason, space pirate and explorer of the cosmos, his chief engineer and fellow rogue Roscoe. And the beautiful Princess Karina. 
one tiny band who must bust their buns, battling the masters of all the water in the galaxy. The evil Mithradoids, famous for not being nice. Killing you would be too easy. I have something better in mind. The Ice Pirates. See startling special effects. See depravity in zero gravity. See glamour girls from another galaxy. See kung fu robots. And delight in the mysteries of the seventh world. The one place in the universe to get a decent glass of water. Don't do that. All those things you heard were true, especially the phrase. There were two things. There were a lot of things jumped out of me. Depravity and zero gravity. When they talk about the special effects, it's like cardboard cutouts. And mm -hmm. then, yes, the jaw-chomping castration scene. In case you can't tell, that movie does not take itself seriously. It's police academy in space. No. And that is why I loved it. Because it is completely tongue-in-cheek. Almost, I mean, some people have called it a satire of Star, War Star Wars. Yeah. You could definitely, I mean, Spaceballs is the satire of Star Wars. But it's definitely a satire ripoff type thing of, of that kind of space genre. But it's from 1984. Okay. So it's still relatively early and it's got Angelica Houston in it mm -hmm. looking, I have to say not as young as I expected. Cause I think she's one of those people who's kind of always looked older. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice, did you notice our beast who we have spoken about recently? No. Did you notice him? He, he, he has a very, very small role in the movie. Um, Ron Perlman. Is in this movie. Okay. But I mean, his role is very small. He's like a background character almost, but he's in it. The main character is Robert Ulrich, who yep. I don't know if you ever watched a series, a series called Spencer for Hire. He was Spencer. He was the main guy. Mm -hmm. It is the most ridiculous movie. Highly enjoyable. Even my kids sat through the whole thing, which is unusual for something from the 80s. And it is bad in inverted commas yeah. but like i said to you so bad it's great because it is it doesn't take itself seriously at all it it has the funniest like also like these like robots that are literally look like someone someone's primary school project you know <laughs> but yeah i mean the basic plot is it's the future there's no water these guys are literally ice pirates the movie is called the ice pirates yeah they go around plundering ice of spaceships that have managed to get it from i don't know actually where the ice comes from there's probably an ice planet yeah i think there is an ice planet if i remember correctly there there, there is an ice planet it, and they it, need to get the ice it looks then, like it the two people yeah. who were, were were being sexy with each other were definitely on a different planet that was wet <laughs> oh, no, no, that was like a weird kind of simulation on the spaceship that oh. made them feel like they were on this other oh, cool place, but it was actually in the spaceship. Of course. That scene was actually pretty well done, considering. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to say the, the bad bits about the movie. This movie has not dated well in terms of cancel culture, women's rights, just dodgy as ass shit. Like we have said before, just take it for the context from where it comes. In those days, it was perfectly acceptable to behave like that which is crazy when we think about it but also don't take this movie so seriously it's really funny it has the craziest ending tell us what happens how does it end so they make they, they do say early in the movie to set it up that there's a certain like way that they travel where they kind of jump forward in time a little bit so if they have to go into this mode whatever it is they kind of jump forward like by a few minutes in time. Okay. But then in order to get themselves out of trouble towards the end, they have to go into that mode for a long time. And basically they jump forward years in time. 
And it happens all very quickly. It's kind of ridiculous the way it happens. And just before this happens, him and the the princess, who he kidnapped essentially, but is but now they're falling for each other. They had just had sex, and literally just had sex. And then they're like, "Oh my god, guys, we've got to escape the wormhole." It wasn't a wormhole, but it was something else. And we have to do this this thing where we jump forward in time. <laughs> so the next scene, she's like heavily pregnant. Because obviously she got pregnant, and then you see she's heavily pregnant. And then the next scene, it's like a, it's a, there's a baby. She's holding a baby. And then all of a sudden, it's a toddler. <laughs> it's like it just jumps and jumps and jumps, and it goes crazily years and years and years until the main characters are old people, and the kid is completely grown up. And you're thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is crazy. But then they do manage to kind of undo it, and they go back. They go back to their, their proper ages. And then they can live their lives happily knowing, knowing that, wow, she's going to have a baby soon and we're going to be happy together and it's all going to be cool. So <laughs> it's fun. It's just a fun movie. It's From ridiculous. the trailer, it looks like Police Academy in space. And they fully go that way. It's got, sounds like it's got everything. It's got Star Wars ripoffs. It's got, mm. there is a character that is definitely wearing Eddie Murphy's red jumpsuit, red uh, play the jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> time traveling, the, you know, the 80s. So naive. They thought we were going to run out of water one day. I mean, how foolish were they? How, I mean, how what, ridiculous. What, what wild imaginations did they have in the 80s that we'd have to go to other mm-hmm. planets to get water? Dory, watch it for the two or three scenes where you see Ron Perlman's moustache. Oh, you didn't say there He's was a moustache? by the way. If you, if, yeah, no, he has a moustache. And it's in the trailer, kind of near the beginning of the trailer. So if you blinked, you missed it. But when you, if you see a weird-looking guy with a moustache, that's Ron Perlman. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of people with moustache. At one point, I thought I saw Tom Selleck in there. Like I had a – I definitely saw Tom Selleck in there. <laughs> there's actually – I mean, Ron Perlman actually looks like um, Oates from Hall & Oates a little bit. Oh, really? In this, in this movie. Just a touch now that I think about it. What? A little bit. Oh, you know, he's a whole notes. He, he's out of touch. So, yeah. what um, genre would you put this movie in? I mean, it's satirical sci-fi. I like that. So, that being said, I do have to say that it, uh, in the beginning, I was just thinking this is such a terrible, stupid movie because I didn't realize that at first that it was not taking itself seriously and was being tongue in cheek. I thought, Oh my God, it's just really bad, but but it's taking itself seriously. Once you realize that it's not, then you're like, Oh, okay. Now I can enjoy it. But if you do see this movie thinking it is proper sci-fi, then you're in trouble. I wonder, because I mean, if you watch that trailer, it's like very clearly that this movie doesn't take it seriously. I wonder if there was a different trailer when they actually, if there's multiple trailers and then they just cut one that we know this is what the movie is really like. Like maybe there's a trailer where they try to pretend yeah. they were for reals. I'm trying to be like Flash Gordon. So we've never, we've <laughs> no, never, just we, um, we don't know what movie the other one's going to recommend. We've never got never. the same movie. We've never, Mm-mm. we've got the same genre this week. Satirical yes. sci-fi. Oh, do we? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got But this. you've done Spaceballs. What else is there? I keep finding them, Dory. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty I mean I didn't know that this movie existed until a few days ago so <laughs> when I'm really stuck for when I'm really stuck I go look at the Raspberry Awards from the 80s and the Raspberries nominate and reward award announce demonize the worst movies mm-hmm. so I go straight right. to the 80s section I go what is there what can I watch and some Fantastic movies in there, including my movie, which won the Raspberry for Worst Picture in 1982. It is also satirical sci-fi. I Awesome. It's a movie from 1982, but it's set in the far distant futuristic future of the 90s. Okay. The 90s. There is also a conflict going on in uh, made-up countries. I can't remember the one country, but there's definitely a country called Gambia. And there Gamibia. is Gamibia. Now, you've never seen this movie, but you've seen this movie. The movie I'm going to talk about is a movie called Megaforce, right? 
Mega Force. Mega okay. Force. Now I don't think I know it. I don't think I've you've seen never it. seen this movie, but you've seen this movie because Mike Myers did uh, Awesome Powers. Loved this movie, and there are so many times watching this movie that you see Austin and Powers. You know, because we've seen Austin, we see Austin Powers. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who did South Park and also did World Police or Team America World Police, they yeah. loved this movie that they based so many things in Team America on this, right? So there's so many homages in, in, in Team America um, to yeah. this movie. So they loved it. It's <laughs> It stars a guy. Now, you know, not a bad cast. So it stars Barry Bostwick. Right now, Barry Bostwick, oh, yes, you I know do. him. A lot of things he, I do. I know him mostly from being Michael J. Fox's uh, boss in Spin City. He was the mayor in Spin City. Yeah, um, but he's very young and he looks like a BG. Okay, exactly identical. Like he looks like Barry Gibb. It's it's quite unsettling. So okay, Mega Force is a group of people who, when there is conflict around the world, they kind of like guns for hire, but not mercenaries. They're good mercenaries to come in and resolve conflict, but they've got all these space age technologies, wild technologies. There's a flying bike, there's floating tanks, and they come in and they resolve conflicts um, with their wild technologies. And that's the story of this, basically. So they come in and they resolve conflicts and there's crossing and double crossing and twists and plot twists and people cohosing, cohorting, cohosing, just in bed with the main bad guy. Cohorting? Cohorting, coercing. In cahoots? In cahoots, that's a good 80s word, in cahoots um, with the bad guy. (laughs) A lot of nonsense going on. There's no, like at least in your movie, they were trying to get water. In this movie, they're not really trying to get that. They're just trying to get to the end of this movie, basically. (laughs) That's what it feels like everyone's trying to get. So it stars uh, Barry Bostwick looking exactly like a BG. It it stars Edward Mulhair, who is Michael Knight's boss in Knight Rider. That's where you remember him from. Oh, Mm. I do. Yeah, so you go, where's that guy from? He's from Knight Rider. It also stars, (laughs) I've got a new 80s crush, Dory. Never, I had Ooh. seen her before, a Persis Kambata, a lady named Persis Kambata. She was once a bald-headed alien in a Star Trek movie. And then her next movie, okay. she gets hair and shows up in this movie. Um, yeah, a bit of a new a new 80s crush, uh, Persis Kambata. And um, that's this movie. I'm going to Google her. If I, can, I'll okay. fi- if I can figure out how to spell her name, I will Google her. You know what you want to do? <laughs> You know what you want to do first, and anybody, mm. I recommend you do this. Google Barry Bostwick Mega Force. You have got to see the Mega Force that is his whole hair situation, beard. Okay. I mean, bouffant. That's the only way. And I'm going to leave Dory to say what the best part of it is. Well, the best part is the headband, right? It's got this fantastic. It's not blue. <clears throat> but it it's is a, not blue. It's a blue adjacent headband. That keeps it. Uh, listen, it tries to keep his hair in place, but it's not doing it. He wears the most fantastic <laughs> jumpsuit. Wow! The most fantastic. That is a jumpsuit, jumpsuit that that hides. My my dad would have said that is a jumpsuit that shows his religion. That's what my dad would have said. Although I gotta say, it that, hides nothing. No, it hides quite a lot. I would dare say that before this movie, he went with the ball chomping thing from your movie. Um, <laughs> Just to make sure, you know, we don't get a real mega force. If we are not nobody. looking at the same pictures, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I got safe search on. <laughs> so, uh, nope. Another movie, like you say, sci-fi satire. It very much in the time of Star Wars. Anything that was Star Wars, Flash Gordon, anything at the time, just really sold. It just really sold. They were like, we got to get in on the space race. Anything with Star Wars, lasers, flying people, aliens, you're going to get it. We're going to get it made. So everyone was kind of jumping on the bandwagon. This movie was one of them. Mm-hmm. Years later, Barry Bostwick. Um, again, a movie that this one did not take itself seriously at all. It didn't want you to think it's taking itself seriously. It was 100% comedy. Years later, Barry Bostwick has made a documentary called The Movie No One Wanted to Watch. 
Um, and no one watched the documentary. <laughs> it's like, oh no! It's he really tried. He really tried to turn it into a bit of a cult thing, but it is such a bad movie. It's not even come back as a cult classic, which I think says everything you need to know <laughs> about this movie. But it gave me a great um, clip, a great line for the clip. I've never heard this before. I've never heard this before. It pops up. I first saw it when I was looking at the movie. I look for the trailer, and it does pop up in the movie. Mm. Take a listen to this fantastic line that is definitely going to every one of our promos going forward. The good guys always win, even in the 80s. The good guys always win, even <laughs> in the 80s. I think that's just... Amazing. <laughs> so That's very cool. Ice Pirates and Mega Force make it a... Make it a double play. Make it a double. But they, they, it sounds like they would be a fantastic double feature. They would. I did send you a picture of Barry on your on your WhatsApp. Oh, yes. I don't know if we were looking at the same picture, but I just sent you one. Oh, but Dory, now we, you know, we got to let people see. Mm, yeah. We'll, we'll put it on our Facebook page. Yeah. I can see why I hit this. It's not mega at all. That's, um. Yeah, okay. Maybe <laughs> he's been too, too close to some ice think, pirates. <laughs> I do think the next time I paint a, paint a room in my house, I'm going to say, I want the room, I want the color that is the, the headband of Barry Bostwick in Megaforce. That is the, I cannot tell you what this color is. I want that. It yeah. is somewhat blue, but not entirely blue. No, it's it's not blue. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's not blue. But listen, get on, get in on the jumpsuits. That is, do yourself a favor. Have an evening of space satire, ice pirates, and mega force. And when you watch mega force, yep. oh, I forgot the best part. I forgot the best part. Right. I'm gonna put this up that Eddie Show you say Facebook page. There is a part since you're talking about Barry Bostwick in his tight pants, where they. How well do you know Austin Powers? Have you watched Austin Powers? I mean, many years ago. Okay. So Pe I know it, but not for a long time. People would have seen the scene, I think it was the second Austin Powers, where they are standing behind a sheet. They're pretending to be doctors because now they're getting caught in e Dr. Evil's lair. And now through the shadows, they keep moving things to look very suggestive, right? So they're like, Yes, yes, yes. I right remember that, that scene. I remember that. Yes. So in what was definitely the inspiration for that scene, they kind of do a similar scene in Mega Force, but they do it in front of this like very purple screen. So you only see the silhouettes of the two characters talking to each other. And Barry Bostwick's right. hand is in such a place that his very long thumb, so his hands on his thigh, and his very long <laughs> thumb looks like something else, but like super intentionally. <laughs> like a, I had to get a screen grab of that and I'm gonna put it up. That Eddie Show is a Facebook page. It is. It is that kind of movie. So double header, Ice Pirates. Can, and and can we also remind people, let's remind people, not an 80s movie, but Barry Bostwick, probably most famously from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, well, goes without saying. But that's why I didn't well, say he it. also did weird things with his thumbs. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. sure. And also famous, <laughs> famously in um, the not very good at all, but very 80s looking. He is super 80s looking in a movie called Deceptions. Have you ever, Deceptions. I think Deceptions was a TV miniseries. The only reason I know about it is because I <laughs> wanted to see what else he was in and you gotta see, you gotta get a load of what he looked like in Deceptions. I mean, that is, that is 80s thirst trap right there. Barry Bostwick, Deceptions. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm just looking, he was in Doogie Howser? I'd imagine a lot of people were in Doogie Howser back then. He probably played a doctor. He's very no, doctor looking. Sorry, I lie. I lie. I just saw Doogie. I did not look closely enough. He's in a series that actually started two years ago called Doogie Camiloha. He, you still see him a lot, though. Still see him on a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, no. He does pop up. He's, mm. he's aged well. He's always fun. Um, I will uh, check out his other things. So, but, well, geez, I'm, I think his I'm jumpsuit. Both our movies this week. I think his jumpsuit helped you check out a lot of other things. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, 
what's serendipity? Serendipity. So I think it's probably about 15 minutes since we last spoke about Wham. So I, I feel we'd do a check-in. <laughs> yeah, we need to get back to it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. What are we doing so here? Andrew Ridgely's been doing the rounds, promoting the documentary, of course. He's also been cycling around Europe. That's what he does this time of year. He gets on a, a bicycle and cycles around Europe for charity. And um, he was on, I want to listen to it. I'm going to put it up. It's a feature called Does Rock and Roll Kill Brain Cells? Where they quiz an artist from Enemy. Um, it is an yes. um, online publication. They quiz artists on their career um, to see how much they can actually remember. Okay, so in this particular mm-hmm. one, they've got Andrew Ridgely. There's a whole bunch. I'm not going to go through everything. But they do yeah. ask him about being parodied on Saturday Night Live. So I said that when they parodied him, them, uh, George Michael was played by Dana Carvey. And uh, they yes. asked Andrew Ridgely, do you remember which Oscar winner played you? Mm. And Dory, I mean, i got a feeling you're going to know the answer because I'm going to go, Dory, who do you think played him? You know, due to no editing well, whatsoever. I mean, the only reason I know who played him is because I also read this, uh, this same article. I went down the wham rabbit hole and we clearly went down the same tunnel of the yeah. rabbit hole because I, I read this article, but I was very surprised to hear that it was Tom Hanks. I would not have imagined. I mean, I can't think of anyone who was on Saturday Night Live who resembled Andrew Ridgely. I mean, not that Dana no. Carvey resembled George Michael, no. but, we but, f- but Tom Hanks, that felt, that feels like a stretch. We got to find that clip because listen, SNL, you we cannot do. find their clips. They lock everything. As, as soon as an SL clip goes up, they take it down. So this is why I have to retire the game to 80s truths and a lie. Because if I had said to you, Dory, true or false, yes. Tom Hanks played Andrew Ridgelino. Okay, no, that's not, it's, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but here's something, and you did know this, because we're having the discussion on fellow nominee, uh, Barrett, um, the celeb savant <laughs> slash chart savant, and we're talking yes. about covers of Careless Whisper. And um, mm-hmm. in this, they ask him which girl band covered the single Careless Whisper. And he did remember, and I wish no, it hadn't he happened. he did not. Did he? He said, sure, they're so sh-. No, he did he, not remember. He did. He said it wasn't it, correct. It was Banana Rama. He did remember. So Banana Rama covered Careless Whisper in the 2000s, right? Because that song was, that video was fairly new that you sent. It was from the 2000s. Now you got to go, hey, I like Banana Rama. And you got to go, I like Careless mm-hmm. Whisper. Surely that's going to sound great. And we know that a banana was with Andrew Ridgely for a long time. Exactly. So obviously this will be great, right? Exactly. Um, Karen Woodward was dating Andrew Ridgely for yeah. a very long time. And you go, surely be good. And they were together at the time. Of yeah. this? Of making the song? Yes. <sighs> so he knew about this? But he had wiped it from his brain for obvious reasons. Yeah, it's not, it's not very good. Because it is so terrible. <laughs> it's not so terrible. <laughs> it's not very good. So that is... Um, it's an understatement. <laughs> but there's lots of cover versions of Careless Whisper and they are all, t- like there is lots of covers of Last Christmas, they all suck. They are all terrible. And that's not just us yeah. going, we're purist. They're just really bad, <laughs> which is really, really bad. I know, but I would have expected Banana Ramas to be less bad. Especially because they, reasons. they were living together. Like he obviously heard them busy with it. And we're going, mm, I'm getting money from that, but that sucks. <laughs> is it worth it? Is it worth it? So before we go, before we run out of time again, um, mm. we mentioned last week that there is a new series or new interpretation, a new version of Shaka Zulu. Um, it's currently on DSTV Showmax. It's floating around. And we've got talking about the 1980s mm. miniseries, which is on Netflix, the original Shaka Zulu uh, with Henry Sele. Now, yes. for anyone growing up in the 80s, there have got to be very few historical personalities, and, and there aren't any photos of Shaka Zulu that I know of. There are paintings, there are pictures we kind of imagine. But Google image search Shaka Zulu and Henry Selef shows up second. 
<laughs> like he is, he is so Shaka Zulu in our minds, right? Yes. Because he did a phenomenal job with it, right? He did a phenomenal job. So the documentary from the 80s was, listen, it's pretty cool seeing on Netflix. I've been watching a little bit of, of it on and off. In a different lens, you start going, Ooh, this show's a little bit problematic because when you look into the backstory of it, it was funded in covert by the SABC as a propaganda piece at the time, right? Because mm. they create this picture of, because people go of our era go, oh, Shaka Zulu was ridiculously violent. Is based on what? It's all based on that miniseries. Or, yeah. No, <laughs> he, he was a warrior, but he wasn't, that was, you know, a very specific attempt. Yeah, I mean, they made, they made him out to be like a really evil person yeah. to everyone. Yeah. Not just to the enemies he was fighting. Yeah, to everyone, right? And yeah. it was obviously South Africa boycotted at the time, kind of like one welcome around the world. But this movie was a way to get around. Oh, we're showing this great, great story, great warrior. Everyone loves it. And when people started finding, hold on, this was partly funded by the SA government, there was like a major backlash of it. The writer of it, one of the writers, like, he's like, I don't want to be involved. This was propaganda, I don't know. Um, so as much as it was like such a part of so many of us in the 80s watching it, when you come back later, mm. knowing what we know, you go, oh, so I see it, Chaka Zulu, Netflix, watch it. Let me go do some research, some reading, what's going on. And uh, I can't be serious about this because I've discovered something. <laughs> I have discovered oh dear. something. Oh dear. I've discovered something. I've discovered the sort of thing that you can only get on the show. Because the first thing was I found, I found, right, okay, here's a recap of it. I found this, I mean, this is such a, a uh, intellectual piece, Shaka Zulu and Visual Constructions of History. That's one article I found. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But then I found, so years later, Shaka Zulu was made in mid-80s, the miniseries. Years later, they made a follow-up, a sequel. 2001, <laughs> they made a sequel. Okay. Who, who made a sequel? South Africa. A sequel was made. A sequel was made. Okay. <laughs> right? Again, they released it both as a movie okay. and as a miniseries. So they bring Henry Sele back out as Shaka Zulu. Still looks okay. glorious. Glorious. Still looks great. Mm. Comes out. It's a new study. It's a, it was a fictional, part fictional, part historical. It wasn't based. It was just Shaka Zulu kind of trying to make him this like fictional character um, and paint a story around him. They go, we've got to have star quality. He needs a wife. You know who they get to play his wife? This is where it, it's starting to get very bizarre. Grace Jones. No idea. Grace Jones. <laughs> okay. You're joking. This follow-up to Shaka Zulu is called Shaka Zulu Citadel. Okay. So I got Henry Sele, Shaka Zulu. They got Grace Jones playing his wife. No. So where was this filmed? Hold on. Hold on. I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay. Okay. Because he needs an enemy. He needs an enemy. Yes. Right? He needs the guy who's going to come. Yes. So if Grace Jones is your wife, who better to play your enemy than David Hasselhoff? <laughs> what? I'm not lying. I swear to God, this is wait, true. Wait, 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 wait. It is called Shaka Zulu David Citadel. Hasselhoff is, is white. He's the enemy. I'm just going to point the obvious out. Exactly. Straight he's, away. He's the enemy. He's the colonizer. Ah, he's okay. A, he's the colonizer. Okay. Well, the colonizer and friend. So he kind of, you know. So, so it's it wasn't a, like a fighting another, in adverted commas, tribe. No. Because that's what the Zulus often did. But okay, so this is the white enemy. A glimpse into Got the it. life of Shaka Zulu, the legendary African warrior, whose dedication and perseverance played a huge part in how he managed to unite his people to stand against the largest empire in the world. Now, I have not watched this movie. I assume that David Hasselhoff has an English accent, which will take it into... You mean a, a fake, a very bad South African accent, you mean? Maybe, because his because character's that. name, his character's name is Mungo Prentice. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not making any of this up. 
there is so little information on this movie that exists that has made me determined to find it. Okay. It is called Shaka Zulu, The Citadel. Henry Seller's Shaka Zulu, Grace Jones is his wife, and David Hasselhoff. Did you think when you pressed play on the show (laughs) (laughs) that you're going to somehow, we're going to somehow find a way to link David Hasselhoff to Shaka Zulu? I mean, that is amazing. I mean. That is like six degrees of separation just blows up. Out of curiosity, I've clicked on the link of the person who wrote this series. Do you know anything about, his name is Joshua Sinclair. Let me tell you a little bit about Joshua Sinclair, Paolo, to add to the story. Remember, he wrote and I think directed The Citadel. Yes. Let me confirm this before He did, he did. Yes. Right. But did you read his biog? Um, Because. I can't click through, yeah. (laughs) Let's go. All right, let me let me read Let's it go. to you. Joshua Sinclair is an eclectic personality, a medical doctor specializing in tropical diseases. He has worked in India with Mother Teresa and Sister Rosa, as well as in various parts of Africa. He is also a professor in comparative theology. Since his acquired professions are obviously non-profit, he has made a living as a best-selling novelist and a film and television writer, actor, producer. And director. Hmm. Fun fact: He was awarded a commendation by Zulu Prime Minister Chief Mangosuthu Butelezi. <laughs> <laughs> and that if is. If I ever meet Mangosuthu Butelezi, this is the only question I'm asking him. That's all I need to know, and that is why <laughs> we are the top '80s music podcast in Africa, people. <laughs> This has been that 80s show, as always. The 80s truth is stranger than anything we can make up. Remember, please, if you've got the time, give us a vote. African Podcast and VoiceOver Awards, APVA. We'll put the link to that 80s show essay Facebook page. Everything we spoke about today, we try to put on the Facebook page when we have time. We forget. <laughs> we need a producer. Um, Why do I feel like you've already put the voting link on the Facebook page? But I might be wrong. I possibly did. It is there, but we'll we'll, we'll pin it. Don't people pin we'll it? Put it again. You pin it. You put, we'll put it. it again. You put it there. We'll pin it. Yes. We'll pin we'll it. Pin it. That Eddie Show essay Facebook page and that Eddie Show right here on the internet wherever you are. Thanks for joining me, Dory. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>